This is the sixth episode in a season of podcasts from FireApp, all about getting stuff done. It's great to hear from theorists about what we should be doing, but hearing from people who are actually rolling up their sleeves and getting stuff done is far more valuable, well, we think. We know things are changing in learning. Work is changing in terms of location, hours and design, and by definition, that means learning is changing too. We're seeing a massive increase in the availability of AI tools in work, like ChatGPT and Midjourney. We need to recognise that these will also impact on learning, and what, when and how we will learn. Last time, we went out to some experts to find out how learning had changed for them. And this time, we wanted to know where they thought learning might change in the future. We're delighted to hear again from Amon Botois, Gaynor Aitken, Davri Howe, Helena Nathinovich and Patrick Malarkey about where they think L&D is moving to and what the future holds. I started by asking Dav what she thought might be changing in learning development in the future. Really, really interesting question, Andrew. I think learning and development is more going to be around the development side rather than the learning side because the content is there. People can access the content. Um, So I think how do we develop people how do we once they've got the skills actually implement them and that's my biggest challenge at the moment because as an organization we've got very small turnover so there's no career progression upward well there is career progression but not as much as people would like so how do we engage that enthusiasm how do we make sure it's utilized and not lost and that people don't leave the organization So that's kind of an area I'm grappling with at the moment. And one of the things I'm looking at is doing mid-career reviews and getting people to think about other ways that they can utilise the skills that they're learning. Something that's really come out, obviously, since the pandemic is around uh, mental health and wellbeing, coaching and mentoring, all the kind of softer skills that people thought not everybody brought into. I think they've now come more and more to the forefront. And I think it's about talking to people and saying, okay, you've got these skills, you've developed these, you've now decided you want to do something that you think is more fulfilling. How can you do that? If you can't do that role within the organisation, the position's not there, can we look at things externally? Can we look at volunteer roles? Could it be a trustee role, a governor role, a councillor role? Could it be as an advocate? There are loads and loads of volunteering opportunities out there, and I suppose it's directing people and helping them to feel more fulfilled because if they're fulfilled in their work in their personal life they're going to be fulfilled in their work life not everybody gets that fulfillment from work so I suppose it's about looking at an individual as a whole it's not just about the learning and it's developing them mentally emotionally as well now and I think that for me is the challenge and it's the future way of working this diversification of skills is important We need people to think wider than just training to develop. People want more choice. What did Anwen think? I see personalisation as a big part of the future. Um, More efficient, um, absolutely then picking up on kind of where do you you choose the right thing rather than just do the thing that you've been asked to do or the the sheep dip, um, the, the tick in the box. Um, in terms of kind of interventions for for L&D. So I think really getting to the the crux of actually what is the learning need and let's build things that meet that rather than just put people through L&D interventions just for the sake of it. So I think 
if we can get personalization understood as well by the organization, you know, this is actually going to save you time and money and be more effective because what you're doing is absolutely responding to the need. I think there's huge value there. And I think actually L&D practitioners will enjoy that a lot more as well um, to really look at the individual in front of them, the individual need rather than the tick box of activity. As I mentioned, we're seeing new technologies. How does Gainer think they'll affect us? I think if you're working in L&D, L&D is always playing, it's almost, we're always kind of playing catch up with, with technology. And it's not even that the technology is for people who are IT and I doing IT trainers, who are doing systems training. That technology is is for us as, as L&Ders, if you like. I love that Gaynor recognises technology is essential in how learning and development should approach support now. What were Patrick's thoughts on how we integrate technology into our practice? If it's still a debate, if it's still a thing, if these people still exist, and I mean them no harm, but this is fair warning, um, tools like that are just going to bring into sharp focus the notion that, we use this phrase sage on the stage, however you want to take that, the the notion of one SME being the centre of all knowledge or knowledge is dead. Now, I believe that's more often that is actually the case, but what's brought that more sharply in the focus is the like chat GPT and AI and, and stuff beyond is um, the notion of like self-directed autonomous um, curiosity and curation for an individual has never been more scalable and, and at speed it's unreal, which is fantastic. I think just from, from my perspective, personally, what does that mean for learning? Well, moving forward, um, we've got to like think about the architecture around that. We can't compete with that, that, kind of technology there's no point i don't think your expertise can be brilliant but um it's a bit like a terminator it never stops sleeping it never eats it never breathes it just keeps going so what can you do to kind of take advantage of that um so thinking about that in the context of design the full end-to-end spectrum of learning how and where can you leverage that because it's not going away and it's probably only going to escalate I agree with Patrick about how the connection between people is, and will be, more powerful than the individual SME. What will AI be in the future? Here's Gaynor again. In terms of AI, I'm kind of reminded of e-learning back in the day, when we e-learning was going to be the panacea for everything. E-learning was, you know, it, it's too early to say what it's going to be. Personally, I think it's like e-learning. It's going to be a tool that we can use. I think it's great that there's people out there um, who are at the sort of cutting edge or bleeding edge of that, and we need people to be doing that. We need people to be looking at that. But in terms of how, my, my question I always ask is, how am I going to use this in in, in the work that I'm doing? How is this they're going to improve the learning of the people I'm trying to support? What's true is it's going to continue changing and continue evolving. And where L&D needs to be alongside that is understanding how to get the most out of that technology, how to leverage it so it's a benefit to the organisation and also the learning outcomes you're trying to achieve. That was Anwin as well, highlighting that we need to recognise technology will change, but it's for the benefit of the individual employee, learner, etc. The noise about ChatGPT and other large language models has been really loud in the last few months. I wanted to know what Helena thought about these tools. That is, I, th- I think there's there's a lot of extreme opinions being floated around on LinkedIn. Um, but from my perspective, I do think that learning and develop 
development practitioners, no matter in which part of the stack you are in, need to become familiar with um, AI tools, whether that is to generate imaging, to generate videos, to generate text. Um, they need to be familiar and it's it's an incredible tool for, especially for people who are one person L&D teams, because you, you've, you have someone that you can play ball with and sort of test out ideas and get inspiration and go from there and, and start developing something that will be more than the sum of your original ideas and the input from ChatGPT. So they're here and they can be used, but what can we use them for? Here's Helena again. I don't think we are at the point that they will be creating um, actual learning content very well. I do think that the value that an in-house L&D team adds is exactly to be able to leverage and capture and help uh, disseminate and share the internal knowledge that is very specific and will be very hard for a tool like that to grasp uh, versus bringing content from the outside. Helena's point about curating and using tools is really important. New tools will not be a silver bullet and being able to assemble the resources together to support your employees is one of the new skills you'll need. There will be a need for connection, engagement and getting people together. So what will change in learning? Here's Helena again. If I was working with um, selling more commodity-style courses on gen general topics, I would be concerned about the content selling side of the business, but you can still, as an L&D practitioner, focus on sell, building a, an incredible experience on top of that. And an AI tool until they can walk into a room and plan the whole experience, they won't be able to replace that anytime soon, right? So this is, I, I don't really feel threatened. I feel like the, these are, for now, great toys to play with. Soon they will become day-to-day -day tools that we use that help create, inspire, and improve certain things. But I don't think that there will be a moment anytime soon that L&D as, as an industry will become obsolete. I do think that maybe if you are working on creating specific repeatable experiences with a specific tool, yes, that might go away, but is that really a bad thing? There is one topic which we do need to consider, which hasn't come up so far, and here's Gaynor. Data is become, becoming more and more important um, in learning and development and it has been for the past few years it's like it's collecting that data so it's it, sometimes it's, it's not one piece of technology or, or one need by itself it's it's how how this is all going to blend and bleed together and I think that what we're doing now potentially a lot of it could be irrelevant we just it feels like we're on that the cusp of something new and exciting and you need to get on board with it because it's it, it's it's coming whether we dis decide we like it or not. Gain is spot on about data. We must make sure we're picking up the right data to demonstrate the effectiveness of what we're doing. Similarly, learning can't afford to wait around. People are engaging with tools and using them themselves, so the learning team needs to be up to speed with what's happening and which tools are useful. 
That means creating a structure and architecture which engages people is easy to access and simple to curate. What can 5app do? In a world of changing technologies and inexorable change, you need a tool which can aggregate and provide a single front door for your learning. 5app will work with you to help develop that strategic approach to bring all of your learning essentials integrated into one place. We're in a time now where we need to use AI intelligently to identify what people want and deliver it at their point of need. And the team at 5app can help you with that. Thanks for listening to the Getting Stuff Done series from 5app. For more from 5app, please do get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Mm-hmm.